to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. We're going to be talking about a weird travel problem to start today's show. And the king of weird travel problems is here to help us do that. His name is Seth Kugel. He writes the fabulous Tripped Up column for the New York Times. Hey, Seth, thank you so much for joining us again on the travel show. Hi, Pauline. My pleasure, as usual, to talk about this weird stuff. Well, you know, we have these incredibly expensive devices now that are, are almost like an extension of our brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are so much part of our lives, and yet they put us at risk. They are We can't travel without them, and yet people want them. Uh, because they're so valuable. I'm talking about smartphones. And your latest column for the New York Times details the weirdest theft of smartphones that I I think I've ever read about. It has to do with rental cars, and it has to do with two dudes named John. So tell tell us the story in a nutshell. Yeah, it is a very odd and hard to understand how it even happened. Two people named John had almost the exact same thing happen on opposite coasts, one in Boston and one at Seattle-Tacoma Airport, when they were returning rental cars. They left their iPhones, and in both cases they were iPhones, in the car. They realized pretty quickly that they had done it, but couldn't find the iPhone. And then a couple of, they reported it to the lost and found. And, you know, these car rental places have these very sophisticated lost and found operations. Like you could even go online and look like hundreds of things a day left in cars, but not necessarily phones. But the the companies couldn't find them. And a couple days later, in two different ways, both Johns were able to track their phone. So in one case, it's probably what everyone is imagining. You go to the Find My app in Apple, it shows you where your phone is. Um, So one guy did that, and he reported that to the the Boston Logan Airport Police. It's the Massachusetts State Police outpost there. And they said, we can't help you unless budget cooperates. He went to budget, and he said, one of your employees has my phone, and they live at this address in Lynn, Massachusetts, because he'd been watching the phone go back and forth to work. Like he knew it was someone who worked there. It could have theoretically been someone who worked in security at the rental car area or something like that. So he saw Um, it going from a residential address to the budget office. Yeah, that's right. And um, the other story uh, is sort of similar, except he didn't track it. I guess he didn't have the tracking turned on, Um, but he also didn't have it secured. So I guess it didn't have a password or the guy figured broke into it somehow. And he, when he downloaded his stuff into his new iPhone that he got, he saw some calls had been made after he lost the iPhone. So he's like, well, okay, I'm going to call this number. And he called the number and it was an employee of Alamo in this case. Um, and who didn't really speak very good English. But in any case, he then reported that to Alan. was like, your employee has my phone. Right. And that turned out a little bit different because they actually found, at least according to Alamo, that that employee had later turned in the phone 
but that that phone had then been lost, which is a very suspicious kind of a story, but there's just no way to know what really happened. In any case, neither company managed to recover their iPhone even after the customer who lost the phone provided basically complete information about where the phone was. It's so odd. And and so what did those companies end up doing for the customer? Because I feel like, you know, this is the only thing you can steal where you can really track it and and figure out what's happening with it. And I feel like the both of these customers made good cases to the rental car companies who then yeah. kind of punted. Yeah, they, they did nothing. And of course, then when I get involved, things change, but that doesn't really satisfy me because that's just kind of stupid. Okay, the New York Times sends you an email and you give them their money back. That, right. that, that doesn't really solve anything except for that one. I'm happy for the one person, but the I'm two really people working. In this case, the two both people. people got their money back, but both rental car companies refused to tell you what had happened tell you right. why it had happened, tell you if they were going to enforce the law on this and punish or the... fire the person or, or right. anything like that. Uh, well, I should say that Alamo um, uh, was more forthcoming than, than Budget. Budget just sent a sort of a, a statement. Alamo got on the phone, you know, they, they really uh, looked into it. And I just have no way of verifying what they told me. But they say this person is a great employee and returned the phone eventually, obviously not immediately in the hours after it was found, but it could have also been sitting in a car. It could have been, it could have found it hours later. So there's no way to know what happened, but they did lose the phone once it was found. And believe me, I've looked at the system. It's a pretty complex system for tracking these things. So it's all a little bit mysterious, but the one thing that both companies had in common is they didn't recognize that it was their fault that the phone was gone and refund the person or buy them a new phone right away. They had to wait for months. And of course, I don't take up these cases until the consumer themselves has tried everything. Right, right, right. So they clearly just, I mean, it's it's hard to know what to think. So is there there any advice to give beyond make sure you have your phone with you? Yeah. Uh, Make sure you have your phone with you. Be sure that you do have it set up to not work, you know, uh, more than 30 seconds or a minute. Make sure the settings are right so that if you leave your phone somewhere, like within a minute, you need a password to get back in. Because in one of the cases, that clearly didn't happen. And I I think that's usually the default, but you should check, like do a little test and make sure that if you put down your phone, how long does it take before it gets locked? So that would be one piece of advice. Aside from that, you know, just check. I mean, I lose, leave things in, in rental cars all the time, so I'm hardly one to talk. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know that there's real advice yeah, nice here except make sure, you're, you, make sure you know you have the ability to, to wipe your phone clean as well. So, you know, you can – I'm not sure how it works for all brands of phones, but certainly for the iPhone – you can just wipe it clean, basically. From sure, because there's a lot of personal use. information on it that you don't want a bad guy to have. I mean, the other thing is to have some sort of insurance on the phone, but that's a personal choice, of course. I mean, it depends on how, how easily you can afford a new phone or want to self-insure or something like that. But if you have a really expensive phone that you saved up for, it's probably worth getting the um, 
protection against, um, you know, theft or loss. Right, right. All right. I want to say one thing before I let you go, Seth. Right now, the podcast is audio only, but I can actually see Seth. I'm bundled up in a big sweater because I'm in Chicago where a <laughs> blizzard is howling. Seth, you are in Brazil. Make yeah. us all jealous. What's the temperature there right now? Yeah, I'd say it's about 80 degrees. I just got back from lunch. I went out in shorts. Pretty. I don't think I've I, oh, I, I had to put on pants for lunch yesterday. It was the first time in like a month I, I've not worn shorts. Like I, I felt very strange to have these jeans <laughs> clinging to my legs. Unfortunately, in two weeks, I will be back in New York. And what does, very quickly, what does lunch in Brazil consist of? What did oh, you go Well, the best thing about lunch in Brazil is that most cities have a lot of these self-service buffet restaurants. And uh-huh. I always, always think of a buffet restaurant in the United States as a sort of a lower, not always lower quality, but it's not like gourmet. Here, from the cheapest to the most expensive, it's serve yourself and pay by weight. And it's a full of tropical fruits and salads. And they love their meat in Brazil as well. I usually have fish, rice, beans, an amazing salad. That's pretty much my lunch. Just oh about my everything. goodness! What a beautiful lunch! I'm really jealous because I'm in a, I'm in a, a Regency Hyatt where everything was processed probably like six months ago before it was even heated up to be fed to me today, and we're we're snowed right. in. But oh well. You do really notice how fresh the food is in a uh, outside of. How different it is in big cities in the U.S. versus big yeah. cities in a lot of other countries. Absolutely. All right. Well, now that you've made us jealous, I'm going to get rid of you, Seth. Thank you so much for appearing on the Firmer Travel Show. Thank you, really it. Our next guest is Veronica Stoddart. She was the travel editor of USA Today for 16 years. Now she's an independent travel journalist, and we're so lucky, incredibly lucky, uh, that she's writing for us at Fromers.com. And I wanted to have her on because she's she wrote a really terrific article recently about a subject that doesn't get as much press as it should, and that's at how how to fulfill the needs of solo travelers. Hey, Veronica, welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. Hi, Pauline. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a delight. Your article was specifically about solo trips for cruisers. And that is an industry where solo travelers actually are being acknowledged, right? I mean, there are specific facilities for solo travelers. That's absolutely right. So the trend for solo travel has been growing for a number of years. And in the past, cruise lines really didn't pay attention to single travelers. Right. um, Starting with Norwegian in 2010, they developed the first solo rooms dedicated to single travelers. And since then, the trend has really taken off because cruise lines have discovered that there are a lot of singles out there who travel by themselves for one reason or another. Right, right. And they were missing out on their business because previous to this, if a person took a cruise as a solo traveler, they had to pay a, a, a hefty upcharge, right? 
That's exactly right. It's called this, the dreaded single supplement. In other yeah. words, a single traveler would have to pay for a double occupancy room as if there were two people staying in the room, although they were traveling by themselves. So essentially, it was 100% more in cost for one person to travel, which was pretty outrageous. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a huge amount, especially since it's not you're not just paying for the bed on a cruise ship, you know, you're paying for food, you're paying for entertainment, and that one person wasn't going to eat double the amount of food or sit in two seats at the theater. So the first cruise line to take this seriously and to, to create facilities for solo travelers was Norwegian, right? What did they do and, and what do they have now? Yeah, they developed the first uh, uh, rooms dedicated to solo travelers. Now, they were quite small back in the day. It was in 2010. um, And they were inside cabins, so they didn't have an ocean view. They didn't have windows. Um, So they really didn't um, give them all of the perks that a typical cruiser would have. But the upside was that you knew what you were going to pay and you didn't pay for a double cost. So that was a huge savings for people who were traveling alone. Now, fast forward to today, they have just this month inaugurated three different categories of cabins dedicated for solos, which is the first line to do that. Um, So you've got, um, let's see here, they- um, Well, they're original ones. I, I actually toured, I remember being so excited in 2010 touring what was a cluster of inside rooms. Uh, They were set around a little lounge, though, which was a smart idea so that solo travelers could meet one another. But they didn't have windows. They they were always on the inside of the ship. And that's what's changed, right? Yes, exactly. And they were tiny. They were only 100 square feet. So that was quite small. So today, as, as of this earlier this month, in fact, they've introduced three different categories. They still have a solo inside category on those original ships. They now have a solo ocean view category, and they even have solo balcony categories. Now that's the premium, you know, having your own balcony when you're by yourself, that's quite unusual on cruise ships. Yeah. Now, do these all have Single beds, or are they or are they getting more generous in that way too? Yes, most. In fact, most of the cruise lines that now have solo category cabins have what they call single beds or or twin beds. There's only one line that's more generous in their beds, and that is um, Celebrity, which actually gives a solo a queen size bed, which is really quite lovely, I think. <laughs> Right. And Celebrity seems to also really be rolling out the uh, welcome mat by giving a lot of special um, events and um, uh, ways for solos to meet other travelers, right? Yes. In fact, that's one of the things that uh, cruise lines have figured out. They need to have um, activities for solos as well. And so, for example, on Celebrity, there'll be um, gatherings hosted by the activities team, which helps people meet each other. They'll have tables at the restaurants dedicated for solos. And other lines are doing this as well, you know, making it sort of easier for people to meet each other. Cunard is another example. They have gentlemen hosts on board. I love that. I love that. It just always makes me think of that that Tennessee Williams play. Exactly. Um, Here comes the gentleman caller. Um, 
tell us about the gentleman hosts and yes. who are these men? Yes. And, and, and people can people can apply to be these men, right? That's right. You can apply to do this. So they act as dance partners for single women. And you have to know how to most, dance. Most of the singles are women. They lean very heavily toward being huh. female cruisers. And they also act as shore excursion escort, escort. So they go along on the shore excursions and they may uh, kind of team up with a single who's there, and so they don't feel lonely when they're doing these activities. And let's so they, and let's let's be blunt; these are tend to be older women. Cunard gets an older crowd. That's true, and the gentleman hosts likewise tend to be in that demographic. So, so this is something you could do in your retirement if you're a dude who knows how to foxtrot. You're set. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But, you know, other lines such as Holland America and Virgin Voyages, they also have wonderful activities for solos. They'll do cocktail parties. Um, Virgin does a pub crawl. They have a lot of pubs on their ships. um, And they'll do a pub crawl dedicated just to the singles on board. They have a singles table at every one of their restaurants. So they're starting to realize that this is a big demographic that needs to be met fully and and provided with all the amenities and all the activities that a a couple would have. Well, I don't want to leave Virgin that quickly because Virgin is an adults-only line. And so they were kind of created with singles in mind, right? They have more singles facilities than the other lines. Yes, they have a significant number dedicated. Um, so, and and that's right, because they are oriented to young, hip, and they're adults only. Their ships only have adults. You can't bring uh, children on board. So right. it's, you know, more more oriented to that fun, hip, young cruiser. And so they do those kinds of activities that appeal to that demographic. It's It's really very interesting. Now, there are two major lines that don't have facilities, but do try to do their best by singles, Seaborne and Silver Sea. These are very, very high-end lines. What do they do for singles since they don't have dedicated cabins for right. them? Well, the way they appeal to singles is by reducing that single supplement. So for example, Seaborne, their single supplements start at only 10%. So you're paying only 10% more than a double would. It's still a little bit extra, but it's not nearly as much as 100%, obviously. So that's one way they appeal to singles. And they also do the um, activities oriented, you know, get togethers and meet and greets for solos. Silver Sea does sort of the same approach they only charge 25% in a single supplement. Now, it's a little bit heftier than Seaborn, but still a whole lot less than the 100%, right? So that's how they appeal. Interesting. Is there anything I haven't, we haven't covered that, that solo travelers should know if they're thinking about a cruise? Well, you know, I have done a lot of cruising by myself, and I have found that it's a wonderful way to travel because it's very sociable especially on some of the smaller ships. So if you're a woman traveling alone, it's a way to not be alone all the time. It's safe, which is another consideration, especially for single women. Um, And you don't ever have to eat dinner by yourself. It's, you know, when you're traveling alone as a single woman, as I'm sure you know, it's sort of at the end of the day, you want to sit down with someone else and have a meal. And this is a way to do that. So I think in that sense, it really appeals well to single women, especially. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Veronica, for appearing on the Firma Travel Show. Well, thank you for having me.
And that's it for this week's show. I thank you all so much for listening. And to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage. One a quick note. This weekend, if you're in Chicago and you can go out on the weather, please come see me at the Chicago Travel and Adventure Show next weekend. Hopefully the weather will be better in Denver because that's where I will be speechifying and I love meeting listeners to this podcast. All right. Safe travels all. Channel